I said, what you know about it? Listening to the stew. My name is Jason Stewart. This is my food podcast. Say hello, Andre Conaparo. Hello, Chris Stewart. Hi. One guest today. He's wearing sunglasses. We're drinking yellowtail white wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one million degrees in my house. Mm-hmm. Chardonnay. Kevin Fairkin, say hello. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> good evening to you as well. Good evening. Um. So a brief intro. You. Are from here, you went to New York, worked in restaurants there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you came back to L.A., what, a year ago, two years ago? Yeah, last October. Moved back last October. Okay. Yeah, yeah. ten years in New York. Ten long? Ten long, ten really? grueling, God. grueling years. A couple when, false starts. So where did out. you work first in New York? Because you work in like restaurant management, but I, don't, I feel like that may have not been your first... Um, well, I, I originally moved to New York to go to culinary school. Went to French Culinary Institute for a year. Okay. And uh, I worked at, I, I was a sous chef at Employees Only uh, a little bit in culinary school. Wait, what is Employees uh, Only? It's like a, it's a speakeasy in the West Village. That's right. I, so yeah. that's not the restaurant inside of the Culinary Institute? Oh, right, correct. Yeah. I, but you also, yeah, you're, you know, that's part of the curriculum. You work there. But yeah, that would be such a lame thing. Oh, yeah, I was a sous chef at the Culinary Institute I was working at, which is called Le Cole, by the way. I was a chef there. But uh, I did actually, but I did actually do that, but that was not a vocation per se. Okay, so you, you did a year. Did you complete? Culinary school? I did complete culinary school. So it just takes a year. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that particular culinary school uh, is quick. I did the I did kind of the fast track program. Is that like the DeVry of culinary school? <laughs> well, that's the thing about culinary school. It is a trade school. It, most of them are for profit. It's kind of a right. big debate on whether it's even worth it to do it in the first place. I guess, yes. Um, had, I, had I to do it over again, first of all, it's about $20,000 more now than it was when I went there. Uh, wow. So I almost certainly would not have done it again. Although, Thanks, Iron Chef. It's hard to say because it really, like, <laughs> I'm a restaurant manager and I'm, you know, that's my job now. I'm not really a, a cook or a chef by trade anymore, but right. that did open the door for me to do what I'm doing now. So sure. there's, a, there's a lot of different avenues to go about it, you know. So. Okay. So you start working at this place being a line cook? Uh, yeah, so I was at, I, that was my job. I was also in culinary school during that, and then um, mm-hmm. finished culinary school, kind of took a few months off, went to Japan, and just thought about what I wanted to do after culinary school, and then saw Did an ad. Did you work in Japan, or no? No, 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 just, uh, just took some time off. Just trying shredded? to You know, shred. and, and <laughs> Blew the know. brains out of Japan for <laughs> a couple months. Yeah. What did you do in Japan? Ate some, uh, oh, in was Japan. Was it like a oh, culinary... Adventure thing, or were you just like wow. cruising? We were cruising. It was both. I mean, it, we we went to we went to seventeen cities. Uh, we were there for Dang. almost a month. Um, crew okay. of crew of six, 
six yeah. partiers, okay. and uh, we shredded. I mean, no longer <laughs> welcome in the country of Japan. All six, <laughs> yeah. Also blacklisted from Warrens and Kobe. I think I actually am blacklisted from uh, Yokohama Prefecture. Yeah, um, the right. island of Shiraishi. It's quite possible. I mean, <laughs> go I left, on. I left in a blackout haze. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, you know, I won't get into the details, but. We were well, actually. Here, okay. So here are the details. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, story first ever. day on Shiraishi Island, we meet. Uh, a Wait, man. What happens on Shiraishi Island? Okay, so way? this is an island off the southern coast of Yokohama Prefecture. I obviously had never been there before. It was my first time in Japan, and this was week two of the trip. And uh, mm-hmm. a friend of mine, Lucas, who you also know, he kind of did some research on some. Prefectures, you know, prefectures, and he he spoke Japanese, so he was kind of like our our go to. Excuse me, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, Luke, that. I mean Luke wow. had lived in Japan previously. He spoke oh, okay. Japanese, so he was like, okay, here is where we're going. You know, he's the guy. You're along for the ride. Wow. Let's go. Brilliant. We hit Shiraishi and go fishing with a 90 year old, incredible tattooed fishermen catching um, different kinds of mackerel and sea urchin. And okay. it was incredible. That was like our first couple hours there. And then uh, we proceed to uh, become blacked out, for, <laughs> lack, for lack of a better word. And With the fishermen? With the fishermen <laughs> and Kombu his, Moonshine his cr- all know, around. crew of seven other cronies. It's that, that night's kind of a haze. There were fireworks involved and, you know, eating raw mackerel and, and just, you know, playing with sea cucumbers in a in an inappropriate fashion. <laughs> and, uh, so from that night, we met a man who turned out to be the king of the island. He was the king of Shiraishi Island. Uh, I, I don't remember his name. I could look it up, but I forgot Are you sure his he name. wasn't just wearing a t-shirt that said Island King? No, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I, at, the, at that point in time, I thought it was bullshit, but at about 4 p.m., the following day, he picked us up in his Jeep and he was drinking, you know, a 22 of Kieran while he was driving in his Jeep. Picked <laughs> up me and, and our crew of six people. And he drove us like Jurassic Park style <laughs> on a dirt road, <laughs> drinking while just like it was, it was absolutely insane. It was, it was incredible. But he drove us to his house that was overlooking the bay. We pull up to the house in the Jeep and there's a man in a full suit without the tie fanning o- grilling octopus he's he's like making uh, our yakitori like feast. yakitori guy. his wife is in the house making bukake udon and <laughs> as you can imagine that also became you know another joke we were we were <laughs> Wait, I haven't Buka- found that one is uh, bukake yeah. udon a real thing bukake udon is a real thing yes that's not just a, a Kevin joke. It's not a joke. Bukake udon is an actual dish. Um, at what? the time, I didn't know it until, you know, he's like, so, uh, okay, bukake udon. So you udon. giggled. Giggled. We were throwing crab legs and sake in the udon. Fucking, they loved, they loved our style. Okay. Yeah. We were partying so hard with them. <laughs> we, 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 were, we made a drink called crab drinku, which was, <laughs> which was and, and, you know, the entire family was taking shots of sake with crab crab shells and by the end of the night everyone was completely toasted so crab drink is when you put just crab drink this crab drink this is where you just put spent crab shells in a shot of sake that's correct as there much, may as much as there, you remember yeah i i have some great pictures i'll, I'll show you a little Shit. later but uh yeah it's basically spent crab shells a little bukake udon a little bit of sake maybe so bukake some udon is just udon with various toppings yeah, a smattering, you know, if you will. A smattering. I think 
You know what? You gotta just look it up. I don't we remember exactly what it is. Yeah, I think, we just, I think we it's egg. It's it has to. You know, there's egg in it, correct? Looks like a buttload like of green onions. Eggs, eggs bonito flakes, udon. I gotta say, I kind of was hoping that that he, is a real thing. Though. That this yeah. king of the <laughs> island somehow proved his royalty by like having his guards assassinate a fishmonger in front of you, as opposed <laughs> to driving around in a jeep with a tall boy. Yeah. But royalty, nonetheless. Absolutely. That, I mean, that's, yep. if you're if you're driving around while drinking a tall boy. Of Keating, Keating, they'll they'll be like, pull me over. I don't give a shit. I'm the king. I'm the I'm king of this island. Of the no, island. I mean, then like really, two minutes later, he's he whooped up and handcuffs, being dragged <laughs> through the street. They're like, I don't think he was uh, the guy. No, there was king. there was you no law me. enforcement. You got there. me. So what what is this island in Japan known for? Fishing. I mean, Just fishing, it's enough. it's a fishing island. It's super chill. There was like a a little hut painted like a cow where these two Australian expats had a bar. And that was basically the whole, the whole bar on the island. So this sounds amazing. It, it sounds incredible. absolutely amazing. It was. It was. I highly. How do you it. just like get involved in all of that though? Like, how do you just become a group of white people from LA who are like, we want to like hang out with the king of this island? Well, there's no. I mean, we got lucky that for just sure. Happened. We we were open to talking to new people. We were friendly. We were drinking. They were shredders, I bro. I think we were fun. That's it. And we were shredding. We they bought the, the ticket. They took the ride, man. <laughs> no, come on, just... come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it was all about just being friendly and shooting off fireworks and playing music and drinking and eating the night before. And that, that set off. Ha- has all of that Japanese homework influenced your your cooking and eating now? Um, you have, definitely you have like a soft spot in your heart for the Japanese. Oh, I cuisine? always have. Though. That always, was okay. there. That was there before the trip for sure. Okay. I've always had a soft spot in my heart. For is that. that the number one cuisine in your heart? You know what? I think it is. Okay. I'll go there. I think sure. it is. Absolutely. I think Japanese is my number one cuisine. Um, hmm. I'd, I'd go Italian as a, as a soft number two. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, a soft number a two? soft, creamy number two. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Japanese I mean, is definitely number one. I always thought the Japanese. Japanese yeah, like, I love the people. One. I love the country. I love the food. I love. I mean, I, I was a huge video game nerd growing up, and I was like, "Oh, really? Never heard of it." What are video games? <laughs> video games are. R.I.P. Nintendo guy, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I really am just a Smash Brothers enthusiast these days. I don't. I literally Ooh. don't play. So any you're still games. playing games. Only Smash Brothers. Just Smash Brothers? Yeah, that's it. Competitive Smash Brothers scene is no joke. It's insane. Yeah. There's a great little mini doc you can get on uh, Vimeo. It's about, on YouTube, too. Or on YouTube, but yeah. Whoa. For those that don't know, Smash Brothers is real deal business. I think it's called the King of Smash. Probably, yeah. So no, it's like gang affiliated. Kings of is that Smash. Is a porno? Yep, yeah. Do you Probably. have a subscription based site? <laughs> 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 Bang Bros. Sorry. Stewie. Just kidding. Um. Okay. Smash Brothers, Smash Nintendo, Brothers. Japanese cuisine, Yakitori, royalty. <laughs> mm. All right, we're good. Mm. We're off to a roll. Mm. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Okay. Loving it. Okay, so, so after that, I mean, I, I met you, I mean, I, I, I've known you for a long time. Yeah, but we were in a little hike club back in the day. We were, we were hiking back in the day. Uh-huh. But when, when I went to visit you in New York, you were working at the Grand Central Oyster right, yeah. so, restaurant. You know, after culinary school, I threw out my tentacles. <laughs> looking for the gig I wanted to do. I uh, replied to Grand Central Oyster Bar looking for a floor manager. Oh, Interviewed. Right the interview was terrifying. The GM was terrifying at the time. Um, How so? Yeah, let's well, hear this story. You know yeah. what? Yeah. Because it seems he like they're was, on a really tight ship there. 
Yeah, I mean the 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 original GM who interviewed me there, I won't name names, but he turned Richard. out to be quite notorious, and they had one of the highest turnovers of managers I've ever seen in my wow. life. Wow! Uh, I spent ten years there, so did you really? Yeah, I was there a long time. So wow. I was there for ten years. That's impressive. I was in New York ten years. I'm okay. sorry, I was at Grand Central for. A little over nine years. That's to be. So you still. went straight from culinary school, being a line cook at a random spot, and then boom, floor yeah. manager of a world famous, legendary. Yeah. That's right. Restaurant. Yeah, I mean That's they dope. they originally hired me as, um, in my interview, I was interviewed by a man. Actually, he was a headhunter. My my, the interview before the notorious like we're talking about. He was a headhunter. He looked like. A real job of the hut style, sweaty alcoholic man. I yes. I met him in a dark office in Midtown, and I didn't know Chris Farley did headhunting. And he he was like, "Yeah, we're looking for an expo kind of like kitchen food specialist to, you know, you, you're a floor manager, but we want you to be involved in the kitchen, basically." So that okay. was that was my initial role there. Sounds was real to fun. kind of expo food for 2,000 people every day. Okay. And oh. you can imagine the tickets pouring in there. That, I, I did that role for about you know, eight months, and then it became apparent that most of the other uh, of my floor manager colleagues at the restaurant were quitting because of fear of you know, my boss and their boss. And really? Yeah. He was, he was a terrifying man. He was Napoleon complex. Okay. Um, how did you manage it with him? Not to, again, not to name yeah, names, but how did you navigate it? You know, that? I went into it. I was green, definitely in the industry. And I went into it with the mindset, like, this is my first real job. I'm going to get Grand Central Oyster Bar on my resume for at least a year, hopefully two. And get the fuck out and, and do something the else and sure. then and Normal. that'll be that'll be awesome hopefully i'll learn something and i'll try not to shit my pants every day yeah and that's that's literally <laughs> will not the mindset me. i went into it and it turned into a thing where you know eventually he's gone and you know i'm taking over the whole operation eventually you know i was i i became gm about five or six years after that but, wow that makes perfect you know, sense i kept you know i definitely was about to leave a few times and i had to Certain things had to happen for me to stay, but yeah. It's, and it's in that amazing. in that situation where you're dealing with somebody who's so difficult as a general manager above you, is there any any interaction with the owners? Is there any other conversations to be had with other people there? Were they not apparent? Were they, was it a silent partnership? Was it were they so, there? Were you able to talk to them? Yeah, it's a good question. It, Grand Central Oyster Bar is a very unique operation in that it's an ESOP, which is an employee stock ownership plan, right. where the the uh, management employees have ownership of it um, in a certain way. And that sounds very confusing. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's there there aren't owners, is what I'm saying. There's not like one or two owners. Really? That are saying, oh, like you can't go talk to the owners. Right. But there are partners that have been there for 15, 20 years that are the majority owners because they've been there so long they've accrued sure. the stock in the company. <laughs> like a board? It's yeah. It's basically a board. Sounds um, like a, a cross between a board and a co-op in some in some way. You need some. Yeah, I mean, they definitely they were my bosses in a certain way. Even though I was the, I was the GM, they were there for longer. Like the chef. You know, had been there for longer, so he was, you know, technically 
this. It was, so a, it was a weird thing. It was wow. a weird thing because, because it was inside of Grand Central Station and it was like a weird government building no. thing? Or? No, that's not why. Part of it was um, the restaurant opened in 1913, first of all. It had been there 100 years. Um, it had gone through a lot of really rough times. Grand Central Terminal was was really messed up, you know, in in the 60s, 70s. It was, we all remember. You know, yeah. exactly. I... I you know, I'm just picturing like a 97 year old like chef at Grand Central being like, "I've got the seniority." <laughs> no, I mean, I, it was there's some weird weird shit that went down there. But um, do you still have stock in the company? Yes, I do. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Yeah, sweet. That's amazing. Yeah, you guys want some? You're an owner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys I mean, like, kind of. Yeah, you get yeah. some stock. You I get. I'm still stock. technically an owner, although I did quit. But, right. uh, and I will. That'll be paid out to me, basically. Right. Like, yeah. When you uh, fascinating. So that it's like a huge restaurant that I had like an amazing meal at. Right. What is uh, for people who've never been there? Like, what is that kind of known for? Uh, aside from just getting oysters, it's kind of like they have the raw bar, but they also have yeah. all these other crazy. Kind of older, weird deli style seafood. Yeah, well, that'll get that gets to the chef has been there for, you know, some may say way too many years. I love him, but you know, he's he's still kind of stuck in the seventies. He he went to Culinary Institute of America and oh yeah, long long time ago. And lots of of I tried to. Lots of salmon mousse on crostini. Well, yeah, you'd expect that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, Yeah, The craziest thing I saw on the menu was the caviar sandwich. That actually is one of my favorites. Which is so dope. Yeah, I love that dish. Is that's that white bread with caviar? Literally white bread, toasted caviar, white, bread, toasted caviar. white bread caviar. I used yeah. to put smoked salmon on. I think I maybe gave you my version of it that I'd, I put smoked salmon uh, in. Uh, egg and Wait, there's also creme fraiche on there too, right? Yeah, that would be fresh, crucial. Caviar, smoked salmon, yeah. Crucial. They have it at Russ well, and Daughters too, it, which is also in New York, and they call it the Heeb. That's, yeah. that's where fair I learned enough, enough. Uh, I mean, I just always love the idea of two slices of white bread with just and just like smearing caviar on like peanut butter and then yeah, it's awesome. That's it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, what else is crazy there? Ooh. Some throwback dishes that were throwback dishes. Some, I mean, the classic, the classic one there is actually not the oysters. They're, they're the stews and pan roasts. Which, when you hear the name, you're like, okay, it's a like a cast iron skillet of stewed, okay. ru- like what the hell is that? It's actually <laughs> uh, steam kettles that are original that had been there since the beginning. Um, and it's basically a bisque with uh, mm. butter, shellfish stock, a little chili sauce, and then your choice of shellfish that's steamed in those steam kettles. Ooh. And that, to me, is like the iconic dish of, of Grand Saddles, that you just sit at the bar, have that, have some fresh oysters and champagne, and get the fuck out. Sounds like a perfect day off or a perfect hangover cure. Like, fuck. Like, like after oh, yeah. a bachelor party, like, oh, let's get some... Bisque, you sit. You can be assured <laughs> that I showed up there multiple times and had that that pan roast for lunch as a hangover. Slow and but that is that bisque is, looks the same going down as it does coming up though in terms of hangovers. If you take your time, it sticks to your ribs though. It's like a perfect like ugh, like a you know just, uh, just a, it'll bring uh, you not back. Not a summer dish. Nourishing. Though. Don't want to have no. that in the summer. But it's so That's a winter cool to dish. think that it, it uniquely lives in that place because of the history and because of the equipment that is that is held over. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what, what so do, romantic what do in the a way. Steamer, what do the steamer guys do differently than just heating it on a stove? 
Well, it really is the equipment. It's kind of it's a little bit of theater. It's a little bit of equipment. You yeah. know, it's the equipment. They're steam kettles, steam powered kettles that mm-hmm. are not cheap or easy to install, particularly or maintain. Or maintain. You know, you, I, actually, Bomba in Grand Central Market now in LA mm-hmm. has he, Mark Peel they stole sure the do. idea from Grand Central Oyster Bar, and they have them there now. But they're not as cool, and nobody goes there. They so look. That doesn't they, they look terrible. Nobody goes there. They look shitty they in look that place. Terrible. Sucks. Does it? It looks okay. Right. So that that's so you're one of the rare people in the food industry who's not afraid to talk shit about another place, which is very breath, yeah, whatever. breathtaking. That's not, sh- that's not shit talking. It's like, yeah, it doesn't look as good. I love Mark Peel. I just He just said it sucks. Yeah, well, no. You know, I mean, I'm I, I'm a guy who worked at Grand Central Oyster Bar. What I'm just, you know, I no, no, no. I I'm saying nobody in the food. I'm industry. just repping GCLB for uh, for some reason. I don't know why. I worked there ten years. GCLB. GCLB. Okay, wonderful. Gosh. Gang signs were made for the audience that can't see at home. <laughs> <laughs> so you, what made you leave that place and then come to LA? Um, that well. I almost left a few times. I was working, you know, 70 hours a week, which for some is industry standard, but I was getting tired of the grind. I'd been there a long time. I was ready. You know, I'm from L.A. I love the sunshine and beaches, which do not exist in New York. Not at all. Um, I mean, you had a good Surprised I stayed there that long, actually. I I was always planning on moving back here. It was just the timing and circumstances. Finally ready to do so. Mm hmm. So, yeah, put in my six months and plan to get out. And I bounce. Put in your six months. You put in your six months, my dude? Yeah, man. I mean, the thing is, is like when you're the GM of a huge restaurant like that, I mean, I had a good relationship with everyone at that time. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a, you know. You you actually would feel bad about leaving. Yeah. And you would want to. and. It was. I just felt like a personal responsibility in a certain way to. What what other job were you doing? It seems like you also, not only that, but. If it's one of your first jobs out of culinary school, like grew up with these guys too, or grew absolutely. Up in this place. That's one it's of the not mo- only that's like the oh, part of the bizarre you know, thing. Sorry, I started gave... there when I was twenty. Yeah, I mean, like that's you where know. you cut your chops. You know, twenty three. Yeah, man, it was. I started there a long time ago, and and you know, I had been with employees that had been there since nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, and they were like, we just watched you grow up, basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and putting that yeah. that ten years time, and also you want to leave a legacy. You put in six yeah. months to make sure when you leave, it's not in bad right. hands because you're tied into mm-hmm. that way. And that Absolutely. may or may not have happened, but <laughs> I, 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 but I did my best. You know, I, right, I right. gave fair warning no, and fault. I did my best. You How know? did you? Did they hire from within? Did they promote from within? That is, uh, they did not actually. Hmm. They did not. No. How? What was the the, the crossover? How long was that person shadowing? Um, not long enough. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a bummer. I don't even know. Th- I don't think that person is still there, actually. The that that makes sense. Yeah. Hopefully they like, realize. It's always good to promote from within if you can. I don't think that person's still there. Have you been yeah. back since you left? No, but I'm so excited. I'm going in September. I'm going to a friend's wedding in New York, and I'm definitely one of my first stops is Grand Central. Oh, can I be Can't there wait. when you go there? Absolutely. Oh, God, I would love, love you to, to film it. It, w- it needs to be filmed. Are you going to walk in, grab a chair, yeah. and throw it across the dining room? I just mean, be like, I'm back. <laughs> I guarantee you the minute I step in there, I'm going to be attacked by... You know, I mean, this is like when you watch uh, 30 for 30 and LeBron goes back to his high school yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It's going to have that feel. It's, it's going to be amazing. I'm not I'm a really dry eye it. in the house. I've never been. Um, how, how big is it? 
Uh, it's a 450-seat restaurant. Get the fuck? Are you yeah. serious? Yes, sir. Why did I never go when I've been? I've said, Mixed I, canners I look like Bill Taco. It's my fault. <laughs> I'm sorry. You should be sorry. I just didn't even think. I just, yeah, you should have It's like, it's fun. It's I've fun. only Typically went there one time, but it's, it's just place. like the best. You walk in, and it's like all, not all, but a lot of it is like counter seating. And you just pull up, and it's just you next. I mean, it, it's it's like a time time machine. Yeah, there's like a, there's Absolutely. a guy reading the Wall Street Journal on his lunch break from from work, and he's eating a bowl of chowder and some saltines and it's having New a York. beer. It's my, at, and he'll strike up a New conversation York. with you. Like, hey, what are you guys doing here? And then there's like a couple old people on mm-hmm. vacation from Miami, and it's just like and Jeez. everyone talks to everyone. The regulars, I can only imagine. No, you've got Musso and Frank's in L.A., and you've got Grand Central Oyster in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's holdovers yeah. that still exist that is exactly that stepping yeah. into a time machine. Yeah, the regulars are a whole... I mean, they tried to convince me on numerous occasions to not leave. I mean, they were... They're, so, they're like every day... Because it's a train station. Yeah. So they're, the, a regular doesn't mean like I'm in one or two days a week. It means I'm taking the train every day and I'm going to have my four whiskeys so I don't have to <laughs> yeah. go home to my wife yeah. and, you know, shoot the shit. And that's... And that's, that's a re- that place had real regulars. I've never seen regulars well, like that. And also you guys had the, uh, the little saloon area. Yeah, and that's that's where most of the regulars went. And that's went. where it goes down. Those are those are your dinner regulars in the saloon, which was a sort of a sixty seat wood panel dining room, whereas the main dining room was two hundred and fifty seat kind of open style with tiled ceilings. Open air kind of place. Yeah, and then the saloon is like a dank like. Yeah, old school. They dank. probably still have a cigarette machine in there. Yeah, yeah. I love that they have a tarpon that was caught by Ricky Ricardo uh, <laughs> over God. the over the. Remember that tarpon? <laughs> Are you serious? You remember From that Milo. tarpon? Uh, you seen yeah, the episode you of Love Lucy? Tarpon, right? Oh, it's amazing. Did you have a lot of uh, celeb clients in there? Celeb clients. We did have a few. Um, okay. Uh, not a lot. I mean, Bill Murray came in a few times. I was just thinking, Chloe this, Seveny is, this came seems like a, a Bill Murray kind of spot. It was like a Sex in the City kind of place. They came in uh, a lot of like old school, like Ed Koch, old New York oh, kind wow. of establishment, old old guard kind of guys. Many yeah, a Mr. union was broken inside that bar. <laughs> Mr. Strawberry slamming a fucking key lime pie at the bar. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Doc Slim and Key Limes together. Dude, you gotta have my. I used to have a modification for the homies. <laughs> the Key Lime Again, dude. Oh the key no. Li- key well, Lime did I do? I did it for you, didn't I? The Key Lime Again. I remember did you the make Key Lime. Uh, like we, I remember you fed us like a million things yeah. and a bottle of champagne, and we're just like about to crawl out, and you're like, "Oh, you guys still haven't even had Key Lime dessert yet." Yeah. And we're all like, "No." But uh, what? What? <laughs> Is Key Lime Ageddon? The Key Lime Ageddon uh, is a personal favorite of mine. That's a Key Lime pie with an upside down cross with, <laughs> oh, a, yes. with 666 painted in raspberry coulis. <laughs> <laughs> I did have favorite that. Favorite was, of the regulars. I so. was served that. That was one of the big losses of my, of my departure, I must say. The rain and lime. And I remember. <laughs> rain and lime. Ooh, I, like I remember. Uh, I remember receiving the... I think that's on Instagram. I, re- I did Instagram that dish. Yeah. I remember having the 666 upside-down cross key lime pie served to me, and then the couple from Florida in their 80s sitting next to us yeah. being like, oh, they were taken oh, back. Or they that. wanted one. Maybe the closet. That looks closeted. delicious. What are you? <laughs> Destroy the church. Yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. 
closeted Satanist. <laughs> well, I mean, Key Lime Pie, I love it. Um, so where are you working now here in L.A.? Oh, right now I'm at Bloodsoe's. Bloodsoe's Barbecue. Love it. <laughs> Amazing. Such so you're a, so you're GM there. Yeah, GM at Bloodsoe's. Um, same uh, restaurant group as Kofax on Fairfax. Yeah, we had, um, we had, had Noah on. He, had Noah. he did the whole spiel. I'm not going to dive into dive into the restaurant group. I'm sure you had you had Noah kind of restaurant Ooh. groups. Blurring. Oh my god! We just want to wow, talk brisket, baby. So talk about smart. some brisket. Mm. Yeah, we don't mm. want to talk about groups, business plans. Kevin Bloodsoe right now is at Bloodsoe's with Chris Bosch, and they are partying with some brisket. I will have you know. Oh, really? Mm. Bosch, Blood, Bosch. Stewie. Stewie, Ooh, the, the shaking room. my head right now. Go down there, dude. What's wrong, Stewie? I just like that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the folks at home, Ubi has an has an Uber app out right now. Chris is getting ready to get a ride straight down. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so live. Chris Bosch, Blood, Mister Bloodsoe himself. Oh, man, amazing. Have you spent a lot of time with him? I love with Kevin Bloodsoe. Yeah. Yes, I have. We went. You know, my original trip. Uh, to Texas. So you went with Noah. I went on the original oh, you trip. Did. You I drank of the moonshine. That was like, you know, three years before I left Oyster Bar when I was like putting out my feelers to see what I was going to do in LA. And huh. I was originally going to be the opening GM at Bloodsoe's. Um, but it wasn't my time to leave New York. So I, I didn't do that. But I was on the original kind of barbecue tour trip with Kevin and uh, a couple of the other owners of Bloodsoe's. And that was. Eye-opening, incredible. Went to Kevin Bledsoe's 90th, you know, his uh, grandma's 90th birthday party. That was incredible. That was like... How old is this? Is Kevin Bledsoe? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know how old he is. What is his exact his age? 90, he that much older his than exact that. age, I do not know. It would be such an odd question to ask for no reason, and I never did ask that question. <laughs> yeah. God, that brisk is looking Feel free to shoot hey, him an hey, email. What year were you born, by the way, real quick? And... Uh, Hey, Kevin, big fan. How old are you, bro? He <laughs> <laughs> yeah, has a lot of great barbecue, man. <laughs> a lot of podcasters want to know. Um, so you going straight into the big leagues of GMing, do you feel like you have like a different style of running a restaurant compared to somebody who kind of worked up the ranks all the way from being – I mean, because you're, like you're a different kind of fella than a lot of people. Thank you. Especially Thank people you so who much. are GMs at restaurants. I mean, my brother is a GM as well. So that's different. But like a lot of GMs, there's like a, it's like a special certain kind of it's person. It's a niche of human. It's a niche of human. Mm. And like you guys have some of those qualities, but also not a, But you guys are a, kind of different. A couple of curveballs. Yeah, maybe, you know? know. Loose cannons? No. I'd like to think. Not loose cannon. Like you guys are professional. You get well, the no, job no. done. Yeah, all right. But you guys are you like, get in where you fit in. You, know you're like, you guys are like weird fucking. Here's bros. what I have to say about that. Yeah, we're I, definitely weird fucking bros. I'll take that. I will take that for mm, sure. That's a good um, thing. I will take that title. Um, <laughs> you know what I have to say about that is uh, like just from my experience from Oyster Bar is I was hired by a real hard ass who everyone was afraid of. And they did everything they could to subvert him and do nothing that he said. Mm -hmm. And it was really important for me to see that, actually. I really I enjoyed that because in the, at the end of the day, if you're just like, you know, here are the rules. Here's what should happen. You know, you get the input from your employees and work with them and not have them fear you. 
the restaurant's going to work much better and mm-hmm. everyone's going to be happier. The customer's going to feel that. And it just is a way better, you know, mm-hmm. philosophy to operate a restaurant. I, I don't, you know, I haven't, and you know, I haven't worked in that many restaurants, honestly. I've, I was the GM there at Oyster Bar for nine years. So, or I was the, I was a the manager that I worked there nine years. So I don't have, I haven't seen these other styles, but I imagine, you know, it's either all the way, you know, super tyrannical or in the middle or, you know, somewhere. You, I guess you never need you never need to see those other styles, though. No, I don't feel the need to You've at all, it. actually. No, yeah, I, I don't. think it just depends on what what type of place you're walking into, you know. Yeah. If they're if they're already getting by when you sh- when you showed up, then you sort of, you know, you you don't need to just reinvent the wheel right when you yeah. get there. Yeah, oh, in blood Which, which I mean. makes you, like, A, a bad guy, but or it could work in your favor. Right. And, yeah, and I, I, it's important to say that when I started at Blood Sows, I wasn't the GM for, you know, for a lot of reasons that were completely valid. Warrants? Know. Yeah, a couple warrants, <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, you want to start out just, you know, getting the feel of things. Great yeah. guys I work with. The GM before me, you know, stepped into a higher role, and he's great, and... You know, that's just that was that was a, a smooth transition. You know, it worked out that way. Are you sick of barbecue yet? Surprisingly, I am not. I I literally every shift I work eat barbecue. I I, I think you know, the yeah. brisket is addictive, and we've got some great new things coming up. I've that heard I'm you guys have been really dialing oh, yeah? in the brisket lately. Brisket is incredible. Um, we've got some new hot links on the horizon that are going to blow people out of, out of the water. Hot links on the horizon. You know, the hot links on the horizon. Album, also man. the name of my next album. I was, you, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. How yeah, about a mixtape? Later uh, on, we're going to talk about your yeah, We're going to talk about the, the next album, which we now have a title for. I'm so thankful <laughs> for it. Oh, horizon. my God. Hot links. That might even be a song. Too. I think a hot link is a very overlooked item on a barbecue <laughs> menu. And they are so fantastic. <laughs> I, my... Uh, my my sleeper favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I went to Franklin Barbecue, I would say like just under brisket, the hot links were my second favorite Man. out of everything. I think a good homemade hot link, well smoked, is very hard absolutely. to beat. Absolutely. I think hot links and chicken. Yeah, are that's two slept on items chicken in all is my barbecue sleeper. spots. Like if if, if, if you can do sleeper. those right, it's like damn, you, you you know what you're doing. That's impressive. It's tough. Best barbecue item I ever had in my life was the chicken at Snow's in Lexington, Texas, which was rated the number one barbecue by Texas Monthly, was Snow's. Hey. It's in Lexington, Texas. Okay. Uh, you know, they're open, I think, only on Saturdays? Only, they're you know, open f- four, like four minutes a week. Yeah, literally <laughs> like four minutes a week. And we went there. Places. We were so pumped when we got there. And it was just like, holy shit. This chicken is what is what legendarily incredible. so the chicken is chicken is the best barbecue item you've ever had in your life. I mean, just just that chicken from what Snow's. Was the deal? I love brisket's my thing, obviously. Yeah, brisket, yeah, brisket is the one. But like, and ribs are incredible. Your all time was yeah, this specific chicken. This specific chicken. I think partly you we were there. At, we were there at nine in the morning. We hadn't eaten yet, and just the whole atmosphere at Snow's in Lexington. I mean, they smoke it over post oak, just, you know, as, as the majority of barbecue in Texas is done. Um, you want to explain that just in case for people whole? who are listening? Yeah, if you recall. Uh, well, post oak is a type of oak that's really only available in Texas, actually. It's, you can't... Is it only used for fences? Probably. Only used for posts. <laughs> yes. That's actually... So post oak is the, is the main staple. In Texas, right. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, I don't have the recipe for the chicken it snows, but that's okay. It was moist because then people just the smoke go. was penetrated, penetrated <laughs> beautifully through. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just I don't know what to say. It was silky, sexy chicken. What happens amazing. to the to the skin on a smoked chicken? Right out of the smoker, you will get a crispiness to it. Oh, really? But it'll you know, go, it'll go mush pretty soon. But a pleasant mush. Let's let's not go mush. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go um, rendered less rigid. Rendered, rendered. I think for me, rendered is like a great way to go, describe. Yeah, a, a little chicken rendered skin. chicken fat, a little tattered. Tattered skins uh, situation that happens. Tattered skins. Uh, I think that's I prefer tattered. I think that's I prefer my denim line at yeah. Home Depot. <laughs> that's that's the third album. I think I prefer tattered skins over mush. It's the burning yeah. flag of foul skin just hanging off that yeah. barbecued leg. Burning flow, foul flag. <clears throat> like a chamois. <laughs> so, do you barbecue yourself at home? Uh, I do not at this point in time. Do you do any, in my life. any type of home cooking? I do a ton of home cooking. Oh, really? I don't have a smoker, unfortunately. Um, really? I, I, you know what? I don't know if I would smoke a lot. I just, I'm around barbecue. Bloodsoes no is, is the pinnacle. Right. And I don't know if I would, if I would smoke so what's much, the, even if I had one. What's the friggin' point? Well, when do you have what's 14 hours to sit and baby yeah. up, but when you're I mean, GMing a, a barbecue restaurant? I don't know how much smoking yeah. I've done. I mean, when I've, you can let Ronnie do it have? for you, and you yeah. just show up and start I mean, munching. No, and I smoked a, <laughs> smoked a hog for a wedding. Yeah. That was that was cool, but the whole hog, whole hog, eighty pounder. Ooh, that how long was did cool. That take? Uh, we were up overnight. This was for Lucas's wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, it was overnight. We, you know, took three weeks. No, that was she's whole hog. That was like a fourteen hour, okay, fifteen hour, something like that. We were up there. We were up there. I took a nap. Where did you buy this hog? I did not personally buy it. I think it was bought. We were. This was in Connecticut. It was bought um, from like a hog farmer in Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. It was, that was so what kind of cooking have you been doing at home then? Um, at home, Jesus, I I love Jerusalem and plenty. I mean, I do a lot of. I love you know cooking with lamb and eggplant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the south of Spain. I love Sp- Spain. I mean, I love cooking with. Lamb and and doing Spanish stews and and Jewish style cooking. I'm I'm been super into that lately. Are you Jewish? Uh, my mom is Jewish. That okay. makes me Jewish. My I dad so. is not, but that certainly qualifies me. Okay, um, it's official. It's official, guys. You need to do some more <laughs> lamb cooking, man. I, I never cook lamb ever. I mean, I love eating it. Lamb is. Where lamb? do you buy your lambs? Um, I do. Buy them whole, right? I do Gus Harvey if I have the the mm. wherewithal to order a day in advance, which is the best meat in L.A. Gus Harvey. Harvey Gus. Harvey's Har- Gus. Harvey's is, is, Gus. Is, is no. have you heard of Harvey's Gus? No. This Andre, is like. You know that? Yes, but it's also it's a difficult place to show up and just get. Correct. You can't just show up there. You have to like you can you can call them a day twenty four hours in advance and say I want a bone in ribeye for tomorrow or I want. And you, this if I'm lamb. not mistaken, you can also get kosher meats from. Them. Yes, if Harvey's you, Gus is like, Harvey's Gus with two S's. Yeah. If you order in advance, you can make sure that you definitely have kosher meats butchered. This for is you. the shit as far as as far as meat in L.A. I mean, if you don't know about Harvey's Gus. You gotta You're get into dumb? it. You gotta get into it. That's where it. where is Harvey's Gus? It. That's uh, it's in kind of Fairfax area. Okay, where you'd imagine? Not far from Bloodsoe. It it's on the upper end for right. sure. It is 
wholesale, I believe. I believe it's wholesale. I mean, you order in advance. It's definitely on the upper end, though. Mm-hmm. It's definitely on the upper end, especially if you get one of their bone-in dry-age ribeyes. Mm-hmm. But they're like, you know, this is restaurant-grade, dry-aged, yeah. beautiful meat. I mean, Maybe better than restaurant-grade. If you want to, yeah, it probably is. So actually. what kind of lamb cuts are you buying? Lamb cut. Oh, man, cuts of lamb. I do a lot of roasted legs of lamb, um, obviously, like, you know, double-cut lamb chops. Braised shanks? Braised shanks. Don't Big get me started <laughs> on the braised shanks. Braised shanks, actually, I get at uh, Huntington Meats. They have great, oh, sure. great, the Huntington Meats in, in uh, Farmer's Market on Fairfax has great oh, really? shanks. I do, you know, a nice. What do you do with this braised? Let's, let's talk about your shank braising. Ooh, my shank game. <laughs> shank game. That well, shank game. The most important thing for me for a shank game is to make lamb stock, first of all, and to fortify the lamb stock. That. If wow. you make a sick lamb demi and then braise the shanks huh, and it don't so shit. That is so beyond my braised lamb this stock is, games. How do you make lamb stock? Go to, hunt, you know, go to Huntington Meats, ask for lamb bones, um, get a thyme, you know, rosemary, whatever mirepoix you want to throw in there and, and make a sick lamb stock. Mm-hmm. You know, let it reduce a little bit and then you can braise the shanks in that. I like to do, you know, mm-hmm. you can make a couscous or Oof. throw, you know, mm. dried fruits and, and olives and black olives, black yeah. olives, brine black seeds. olives. Yeah. I like do I like using brine black olives instead of salt. And before, Absolutely. like once you're actually yeah. like seasoning, you have to salt, you know, either the bones or the meat when you're browning it. But mm-hmm. to actually add salt to the dish when you're braising brine black olives. It's, really? Cause Absolutely. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Olives and mint and lamb are just that yeah. combination impossible is killer. to beat. Killer. Impossible. I love lamb. I love lamb. You gotta. You ever go to Keens in New York City? You get the. You get the mutton chop. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that kills. That's you have the steak next to the mutton chop, and the lamb kills it. It's like that's probably my favorite lamb dish in the world right now. Mutton chop and also lamb good in the summer, good in the winter. You know, for me, I actually dig it. In yeah, the summertime. absolutely. You, you know, because if you're going Mediterranean vibes, it's it's yeah. apropos. Yeah. When you when you're doing the lamb braise. And you, you just put the couscous dry straight into the braising liquid. No, no, no I'll usually the the, two separate things. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll put the I'll put the so braised meat the over the lamb. Do like that. I don't have the balls. I don't. <laughs> I, mean, may, yeah, I know you do. I, I simply am. I'm a simple man. You know, I'm a simpleton actually. How's your wine game? Wine game is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, not as good as, you know, small. Uh, you know, my my wine geek friends definitely mm-hmm. have me beat, but. Uh, you know, I bought I bought wine for Grand Central Oyster Bar. That's a six hundred uh, bottle list, sixty by the glass for six years. I got to you know six hundred bottles, sixty yeah, by the glass is sixty wines by the glass. Lot. I don't know if they still have my wine game over there, but you know, I hope they I hope they continue wow. the tradition. That's a lot of by the glass. That's yeah. amazing by the glass. Yeah, it was an awesome list. That was that was probably my favorite part of that job. I, I got to really control the wine list and. Have a lot of wines by the glass. Take a lot of great trips. Italy, Napa, Chile was was an incredibly eye opening wine trip. Via yeah, vendors seriously. or what? Just like so, they're like you're a big, you know, possibly a big client. So we want to bring you out and razzle dazzle. The you. biggest client. Mm-hmm. The biggest client. Really? Yeah. I mean, they move crazy. Me, me buying have... wine at Grand Central Oyster Bar. They want to be my friend. It makes you, know? you the king. They want to be my friend. <laughs> Damn. 
they want to be my friends. So I got so, to. So that's not two drink tickets at the club. That's <laughs> no, like that's, I'm gonna fly you that's, to you're Chile. In a, you're in a fucking helicopter in Napa, oh, and this is the God vineyard you're gonna buy the wine it. from. You know, wow, like that kind of shit. It was awesome. I loved it. So so great. Uh, yeah, but I love wine. A lot of listeners jealous. Yeah, so the Bloodsoe's helicopter. Tell us about that guy. <laughs> I wish one day, one day. It's gonna happen. Maybe after two more locations, we'll have we'll have a nice branded Bloodsoe's so helicopter. So you just like got flown to Chile to cruise the vineyard and pick out some stuff. Absolutely, with a free day in Valparaiso. Boom. Did you ever Whoa. hunt a human in the fields of Chile in the vineyards? With like. If you want to hunt that guy down there, you know, I, I, we can I make put that, that in my rider, and <laughs> yeah. they didn't come through on that they did not. Uh, for but some but reason. But you still bought the wine, which is that's a testament to your, uh, your, your commitment big. to the restaurant. When big when you're you. selecting wine for an oyster restaurant, how does that play into it differently? Oh, it's huge. I mean, you guys have other things in the menu, but it's all it's primarily seafood. So, like, what do you, what things do you have to take into consideration? Do you have any like? Big bold reds that would yes absolutely and the oyster bar uh, yeah it's interesting I mean they the and also you have to think about the buyers that came before me so they had a lot of big bold California reds that weren't really selling well and they it, it was also because of the format of the wine list oh, they had tricky. a separate reserve wine list so what I did was I combined the wine lists and I put them all on one you know. It was a better presentation anyway. So we started to sell those those bigger California reds um, a little bit. Awareness. What, yeah, what? and we, we got a lot of tourists too. So you have a lot of the of the Asian tourists that came in love big, bold, yeah. Napa, California reds. It doesn't matter. They can they tr- fucking drink it with lobster. Right. Burgundies care. and Merlots. Yeah. We had an amazing list of, of, of old vintages, you know. What, uh, what kind of reds do you think would, you would pair with like a, a raw oyster? Yeah, so every year we had something called the Oyster Frenzy, which was a party. Um, it was basically like all-you-can-eat oysters, bands, oyster-eating competition, and part of that was a wine and oyster pairing competition. Because um, yeah. normally people would think white wine for oysters. Right, yeah. And what? Yeah. And that was my, one of my p- favorite parts of the year because I'd ask my vendors and wine reps to submit wines to me that they thought paired well with oysters. And the winners I put on the menu, and if it's by the glass, they're selling tons of it. So they yeah. they have a huge incentive to to give me, you know, appropriate like, boom, submissions. This is a red wine that pairs with yeah. So every year I would get you know a really obscure light bodied red or a rosé that they, oh this is an awesome. So what I found over the years, you know, generally red wines don't work, but there <laughs> there was there were a few um, that sort of were light bodied that mimicked. A red wine mignonette, and a mignonette mm, like that uh, vinegary kind of peppery mignon. Pino, do pinots fit into that category at all? No, not no, in none my, of those made it. No, I, you know I like I'm pinots because so they are light bodied and they did work with like you know like a Cajun style tuna or something, but they never worked for me with oysters. So you need something a little more strong and vinegary. Yeah, you know, high acid, yes. you know, peppery. That we had a pinot. Oni, I believe it was pronounced, which was like a Loire, you know, really peppery, kind of bright, vinegary on the nose. And that was like, you know, you, you smell it and it, you eat an oyster and you're like, that's sick. You can, <laughs> you can pour that wine on the oyster and fuck wow. the mignonette and it's sick. You know? Yes. Uh, cooking with oysters. What do you yes. like to do? <sighs> cooking with oysters. Honestly, 
don't fuck with it too much. Either raw with a little, for me, little no. lemon. I hate cocktail sauce with oysters. No raw. Rockefeller? I'm not a big fan of Rockefeller. I know a lot of people like it. I'm not a big fan. I like Clams Casino if you're going to do a cooked okay. classic right. shellfish yeah, yeah, yeah. dish. I like bacon and casino butter on clams. For oysters, it's either raw with a little lemon, keep it simple, and let the oyster shine, or grill it a little like sick hot sauce and a little lemon boom mm. like let let the salt. let the oyster liquor kind of that you just can't beat that like why are you putting cream spinach and fucking sure. hollandaise on an oyster i don't understand that but how uh, how would you recommend somebody to grill oysters at home because I've never done it before. I was just talking like to, uh, to Dano, our, our mutual yeah. friend Dan, about it. And he's, like, <laughs> he's like, I love grilled oysters, well, but I have Dana. no idea how do you do it. Like, Do yeah. you have to take the shell off and open it first? Can you do them whole? Uh, it depends on the... In my experience, it depends on the size of the oyster, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also depends on the oyster. Some are really finicky. Like, If you're doing huge oysters, sometimes you'll have... Depends on how great of a shucker you are, first of all. Like, mm-hmm. Some oysters are not easy to shuck. Very period. true. Like, blue points are really easy, but some oysters are really hard. Um, you can always, yeah, just put it on the grill. You don't want to overcook it. You don't want to evaporate the oyster liquor. Um, if you can shuck it, that's preferable. So you, okay. can, you, can, you, know, you can see it. So better to shuck yeah. so you can yeah. see what's Warm going on. Warm it through. Don't, <clears throat> don't evaporate the liquor. And they don't it, open up when they're cooked like They will. Cream, some they, will. They, okay. But I have Is cooked that right? oysters that won't. That's what I'm saying. You can throw it on the grill when it opens. Just tear the, tear the top off. That's fine. Okay. Um, but the, the problem with that, if you're not paying attention, if you're like at a barbecue or something, you throw the oysters on there, they'll open. And by the time you get to, to them to take the top off, all the beautiful liquor is gone so right i prefer mm. a shucker first what about if you're if you're shucking the oyster you put it on if, if you're doing wood chips or preferably a wood fired grill and you're just covering that for like 30 60 seconds yeah so you're getting that smoke, smoke yeah so you're smoking it you're not love pulling it. off enough of that liquid love and it. you get yeah so that really That's infuses awesome. a really great open shell oyster on the grill right absolutely yeah. do that no question but again, you have to shuck it well so you're not dropping all that liquid out. You've got a yeah, nice you just, half you need sitting that there. You've got you're choosing which side is the best side yeah. to shuck, the deepest well to keep all of that. You don't in. want the meat to shrivel yeah. into nothingness. Yeah. That's the thing. You want meaty oysters when you're grilling. You don't want like little. little and, and there's like, never a place for an oyster on a gas grill, right? Uh, I mean. Not really, unless that's no. what you have and you want. Right. <laughs> and you want. Just saying, like, there's times no. gas grilling's fine. I would say, like when you're putting that kind of protein on yeah. a grill, it should be wood or charcoal or something like that that's actually going to benefit the flavor as opposed to actually just being a heating element. I would agree with that. Generally, yeah, absolutely. After all, all you've gone through in the oyster game is oysters are like a kind of food where you kind of if if you eat them bad. They're really bad. And if you eat no them question. good, they're good. If you eat them bad, that means the restaurant you got them at does not have trained people. to, to be. Mm-hmm. No trained oyster shucker should serve you a bad oyster. Yeah, like that means you're, exactly. it's just, that's completely right. unacceptable. Unless you know, you're buying them from a market and doing it yourself. Mm. San Pedro Harbor, I'm looking at you. <laughs> but for, for food, I mean, like, you can eat a bad taco or a hamburger and it'll still be all right right but for an oyster it really Simple. has to be an excellent quality thing no question is it are you so like well trained in oyster eating that you have such a high level of of quality that 
you can't really eat oysters from Let's most places? Like, they have to be from a special spot? Or are you just, like, not even into oysters anymore? No. Are you oh, I out? love, I always, I mean, I love oysters. I just had oysters yesterday. I say, where's your con- spot here in the I went to then? Connie and Ted's, went to happy hour. I mean, their they're happy hour is sick. You got so, two in my yeah. pocket right so now. So, Connie and Ted's happy hour. Is that, happy. is that your what spot else? for L.A.? Uh, as far as an oyster happy hour, first of all, I live two blocks away, so mm, that's important. I love I love Alan E too, mm-hmm. uh, but Connie and Ted's has a great happy hour. There's no question. How much are the oysters? Uh, you get a dozen for ten bucks, that's which I great. guess is what? Oh wow. no, I'm sorry, it's half a dozen ten dollars. Okay, okay, half yeah, a yeah. dozen sounds, ten dollars, which I, which I was going to say is on the higher end because it's usually you know a dollar. It's not that bad. Not bad. They're always like perfectly shucked, fresh, awesome oysters. Yeah, because usually a um, dollar oyster, for yeah. the most part, you know, you're, yeah. they're not going to be hitting you with the home runs. It's Twenty bucks for a dozen. Twenty, bucks. which the, is which is that's pretty good. good. Not bad. The Sunday bad. Hollywood Farmers hour. Market oyster, real mm-hmm. nice. Those are great too. Those are great. Yeah, I mean, those. It's oysters are just the kind of thing where, just like anything else, you just eat enough of them and remember the names and understand what it takes to have it preserved well and yeah. have them cold and just put a little lemon on it. You know, it's not like a training thing. I just ate them literally every day for nine years, so it's like I just know more names of oysters. Is the thing? Yeah. <laughs> is it like, hard to you, remember them all? Uh, I just have them ingrained just from, right. you know, I, 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 would, I did the menu also. Our menu changed every day, so I would literally type the menu, oh, you know. So, so. When you, no, you're, you're <laughs> typing oyster <laughs> names every day for Sorry. years and years. You just remember, like, oh, Matinecock is from here. Beausoleil is from here. This is from here. Todd Virginica is from Washington. You know? yeah, what's your favorite, uh, not, like, just say region. How about that? Uh, that's hard to say. I like I like Washington State, Maine, and France. I've had the my favorite being on the West Coast. Maybe just where we're at, I have the best luck with Washington State. Washington as well. State, Maine, and France. Yeah, incredible. And yeah. also just going to Hog Island oysters in in uh, Marshall, Northern California is awesome. What is your all time favorite oyster of all time? All time. Yes, I have it. You have it. <laughs> yes, oh. you have it. As he drinks the yellowtail. <laughs> um, clear your head and your palate. I'm going to go Totten Virginica, which is from Washington State. It's a Totten Virginica. Totten Virginica. Like Totten's uh, like Tottenham, like England? Totten yeah, Virginica. Sounds, okay. It's actually an East Coast species of oyster that's grown on the West Coast, which makes it, you know, usually West Coast oysters aren't as briny as East Coast. They're more creamy. Mm-hmm. But this one has the trifecta. I mean, it's, it's, it's perfect size, briny, creamy. Cucumber oh, and it cucumber. just fucks your mind. Like it's incredible. <laughs> yes. So incredible. Cucumber. When you get and cucumber, that's, the, that's my favorite note that I get. Yeah, but oysters. it's briny cucumber. Like oh, sometimes cucumber is one note. Like exactly. Not, it's like so clean and yeah. crisp and really, but it's good. It's refreshing <laughs> on a summer day. But yeah, what like how does an oyster achieve a cucumbery flavor? It tastes just like cucumber water. That that leads us into like oyster terroir and how it, how it feeds into wine speak and yeah. how it's grown and you know what the species is. I mean, it's you there's can, such a people can go on and on about that. For pick up uh, it's called uh, the uh, it's Rowan Jacobson's the author. He's like the foremost oyster expert in the world. Rowan okay. Jacobson. I think his books are called Consider the Oyster and the Geography of Oysters. There's two different books. And it's like way more information than you ever needed to know about an oyster. He's talking so about. So he's just the oyster 
He's the god. Rowan Jacobson. He's the oyster god. And we had him in... American Terroir. Mm-hmm. The Living Shore. Shadows on the Gulf. <laughs> Fruitless <Yeah>. Fall. <laughs> These are all his books? Geography of Oysters. Yeah, Geography of the Oyster. And he also wrote Apples. So maybe, An uncommon character. Yeah, Geography of the Oyster is the one that I had. That's the one. And he's, you know, that leads you into terroir and different all, regions. All these and, books look like like fiction, like ro- romance novels, though. Right, who like, done it? Just calling a book Shadows on the Gulf, and there's like a picture <laughs> of, a, of a lake, and you're like, yeah. Hmm. It has I, maybe maybe it's oyster related fiction. Probably I would not put it past this man. He's, have you, he's awesome. Have I've you met told him any oyster times. like short stories? Um, unfortunately, not. I probably should have. I should have. I regret that. Let's let's close up with your musical career. Oh my God! Drinks, drinks, drinks. Um, so you have a, you have a a band. Solo project. Solo project. One, you know, one other buddy of mine, George Elbrecht, um, who's awesome. He's he's kind of the music producer, and we just. We and it's called drinks. D R Y N X. D R Y N X. That's it. <laughs> drinks. It's, it's a high concept album. I would high say. concept, multi genre. Um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 been a lot of fun. It's been a lot How of. How long did it take you to make this album? Uh, drinks Imperial Blastman album took. <laughs> Uh, this, you know, it's funny because George, George Albrecht, he's one of my, you know, he's a really good friend of mine and <laughs> we'd just be hanging in New York and we'd, you know, get wasted on a, on a whatever late night and we'd be walking around and I'd just start singing some shit and he, you know, he's a musician mm-hmm. and he'd just be like, dude, we have to do an album. We have like, just come over you tomorrow. You got the gift, kid. Let's just come over tomorrow. We're going to just throw some ideas around. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know we recorded the first song, "My Lady's Bongo." <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was like two years ago. We recorded oh, yeah. that song in his studio in Greenpoint, and uh, he kind of is all over the place. He tours in Europe and he's in Miami, and now and then I moved to LA. So we were just like, let's just let's let's make an album. We finally finished the album. That took about two years. Um, it's a hilarious album. Drinks music, drinks music, Bandcamp. I've, um, I've used the album as a good barometer to figure out if I like this person or not. Yeah. If you're a person who like, thinks <laughs> this is... That's the most flattering thing <laughs> I've ever heard in my life, I think. <laughs> like, I there appreciate are people, that. There are people who have listened to it who are like, what the fuck is this shit? I don't get it. Yeah. This is horrible. Yeah, I love and then it. there are people who are like, 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 I played it for my girlfriend and she's... She was like, this is amazing. And yeah. we, we just drove around listening to the whole album. I also love that it's a love-hate thing. Like I, yeah. That's what I want. That's I kind don't of want need. an album where everyone loves it. I want people who hate it, and yeah. I want people who are super fucking into it. That's I it. mean, you know, there's a lot of people who love Megadeth. Most yeah, people don't. it's like everything else. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Like, Lines be drawn to the oyster, is my favorite band. Not everyone's a yeah. huge uh, oyster fan. That is very you true. You know, perfect. I would say most people do not like oysters at all. There you go. Which, mm-hmm. much like a favorite band or artist, I it choose makes my you friends love them way. even more. There you go. More for me. No doubt. More drinks for me, I should say. More drinks. Nah. With the favorite band, I cut you off. Oh, yeah, favorite right. band, Necrophagist. I'm, I'm a huge metal <laughs> metalhead. Uh, this is a technical 
you know, German death metal band. Not at my the gates. My right. friend. So I you also say that love name again? Necrophagist. Uh, you know, if you know Necrophagist, you know them. Nobody listening to this podcast knows Necrophagist. I don't think they do. The last Necro, album came is out it in PH or F? PH. Okay. This is uh, Eater of Dead Bodies. Yes. <laughs> Necrophagist. Necro shit. Yes. Eater uh, of Dead Bodies. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the translation of Necrophagist. Gotcha. I think. Uh, <laughs> Onset of Putrefaction is is an excellent album. I think that was their first album. So um, that is so it's like a German. This is like technical. It's, it's the pinnacle. Band. It's the pinnacle of of technicality and metal. Um, I'm also friends with the the lead singer Mohammed, who was at was one a point German a German guy named Mohammed. He, yeah, he's German, but he's he's Turkish actually. Okay. But he was living in Germany. He's Turkish, um, and he's sick. He was like a engineer at Chrysler and he engineers his own fucking guitars and he's like the most he's the most technical motherfucker. How did you become ever. friends with this guy? Uh, through Necrophagist actually. I went to a November to Dismember in 2002. <laughs> it was a death metal festival in San Bernardino. <laughs> and, uh, this is so amazing. November to Dismember. If you were there, you know who I'm talking to. It was the best death Wall metal. Wall of death number three. Enslaved. I mean, oh, I Enslaved, Enslaved sure. was there. Necrophagus was there. Testament was there. Before uh, you know. I'm going to read uh, uh, when you Google Necrophagus, it'll it'll list like their albums, where they're from, and then there's like a handful of songs. The first one is Stab Wound. The second one, Fermented Awful, awful Discharge. discharge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, what about what about term. what about Culinary Hypervocity, dude? That's on that album. Culinary hypervocity. Yeah. What what is hype? Yeah, what is culinary hyperversity? What does that mean? There you go. Hi, I'm sorry. Culinary hyperversity. That's on uh, onset of putrefaction. That that should be your theme song for this podcast. <laughs> culinary. I mean, hyperversity. there there's a song called pseudopathological vivisection, <laughs> intestinal incubation, advanced corpse tuber tumor. Mutilate Advanced. the stillborn. Mutilate the stillborn is is what they end on usually. <laughs> that's their, that's <laughs> their <laughs> closer. <laughs> oh no! Actually, you know is what? The closer of the encore. The, the last song. The, the what what to. they come back to is fermented awful discharge. <laughs> that's what they come out to. Is it doom vibes? No, this is technical Way death metal. This is straight. super yeah. fast, incredible, crunchy technical death okay. metal. Well, we you are, haven't heard it. Hear it. We are about to end this podcast and immediately play it. On uh, on my computer. I recommend. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for doing this show. It's been a pleasure. Where can people find you online if they want to look at your weird images oh, and at, tweets? At Drinks Music is the Instagram. Okay. Uh, D-R-Y-N-X. Uh, D-R-Y-N-X. And then that'll link you to the Bandcamp if you want to listen to the album. I hope you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And you can also go to Bloodsoe's Have some barbecue, barbecue here in L.A. and, mm. and say hi to him. Eat yes, some sir. macaroni with him. Have some macaroni. Have some brisket. You can follow me on all that stuff at them jeans, Stewie. Uh, Stu Stewart, Instagram. Andre Conoparo has no social media whatsoever. Uh, I still don't have any. Tight. <laughs> <laughs> and you can go to thestewpodcast.com for all the episodes, and you can subscribe on iTunes if you want to be a bro. Thanks again for listening. Have a good week, guys. Au revoir. Thank you. <laughs>